You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Good morning, everybody. How are you? You guys good? So we just had tryouts for the ACF choir. You're all in. That was amazing. That was so cool. Way to go, guys. Can we thank our worship team? The man band today. Man band today. Um, if I don't have the pleasure of knowing you in the house here, are you guys online? My name is Will Davis Jr. Welcome. We're glad to have you at Austin Christian Fellowship. It's a great day in Austin, Texas. We're having Chamber of Commerce weather in Austin, Texas. We've had a big weekend here at our church. And um, at any point in this service, especially you guys online or any point during the week, you want to connect with us to text the phrase. We say this every week, ACF Connect. ACF Connect to 512-866-9908. We'll get right back to you. And... Um, I say this every week. This is no time to be alone. We need the church. Everybody needs a church. Even atheists need a church now and then. And so we'd love to be yours. Uh, we're not perfect, but we try hard. So uh, let us help you and reach out to us. Let us tell you about student ministry and children's ministry and prayer and serving and all the things we have uh, going on. Okay, we have baptism coming up again. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a couple months. So the 24th, of April, the week after Easter, we're going to have, the only thing we're going to do is baptize folks, and it's just going to be awesome. We'll have spontaneous baptisms for those who want them, and uh, we'll also have planned baptisms. So if you want to get baptized, please sign up so we can get you in the process for that coming up soon. And in June and July, I've already got some great responses. We're doing a series basically called the How To Series, and we want to know from you guys what you want to learn to do in church and ministry and serving Christ stuff. So send to Senior Pastor my email, Senior Pastor AC Fellowship. Send, send us your suggestions. We're going to do eight weeks of what you tell us to talk about. Uh, how to pray for someone who's sick. How to forgive somebody who you don't want to forgive. How to, I got a request this week, how to pray for a spouse who doesn't believe. Uh, how to start a church in your home. I mean, some really great ideas. So what do you want to know? Okay, send those to us and we'll be doing those. I got to assign teachers for June and July pretty quick, so... We need those topics in as quickly as you can get them here. Final thing, uh, we begin a new series next week called The Jesus Encounter. It's just two weeks up to Easter. Easter's three weeks away, which is crazy. And we're gonna look at two encounters in the Bible that people had with Jesus, one that ended really, really well and one that ended not so well. And the first week, we'll look at the one that ended really well and what worked to lead the person to faith. And the second week, we'll look at the one that, that kind of the person walked away without believing, and we'll look at why. Great couple of weeks to bring friends, okay? You got people who are asking questions about God, about Christianity, and about Jesus specifically. Great weeks to bring friends or have them watch online. All right, let me pray. Lord, we love you. It is great to be here. Bless this amazing people today in Jesus' name. Um, we pray for peace on earth, God. Yeah, that, that hits a nerve, doesn't it? Um, peace in our hearts, peace in the nations, peace in the city. Um, we don't have to, Lord, look at headlines about the war in Ukraine, which, is, which are significant and real, to find really significant pockets of hurt. They're all around us. And you're the great comforter. So I pray you'll send comfort now. Send your comfort now into this city, into this church, into this country. Um, and, and 
Help us to learn from you about how to receive care and how to give care. And I pray this in your name, amen. So this is the final week of a series that you guys have been really great about um, called The Comfort Zone. And we've been talking about how to give and receive care. Because as you know, the calendar pages turned by the last couple of years, a lot of people have been through a lot of stuff. And it doesn't look like it's letting up any. So it just seemed appropriate to spend some time talking about what does it mean to be a good caregiver from a Christ-following standpoint, and what does it mean to receive care? Because I find myself sometimes in the same day needing to do both. I need to receive care and comfort or comfort myself, and I find myself a lot giving care and comfort. And I know you do too. Um, so I want you in your Bible, if you have it with you, find 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. Oh, by the way, I heard a great joke this week. You want to hear it? Yes. Yeah, I'm overwhelmed by your response. It really is a good joke. Okay, so this pastor, this husband and wife invite their pastor over for dinner. And after dinner, he leaves and the wife says, I think that pastor stole a spoon. I can't find the spoon that was here. So a year later, they invite the pastor over again. And the curiosity is just killing the woman. She said, okay, pastor, I gotta ask you, did you steal the spoon last time? He said, no, I put it in your Bible. <laughs> yeah, see, it's a trap. I set a trap for you. You see what I did there? Yeah, yeah, just saying. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Second Corinthians, the first chapter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Say all comfort. All comfort. Mm. Who comforts us in all our affliction so we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we have received ourselves from God. The letter of 1 Corinthians is a very abrasive, strong, preachy letter. The letter of 2 Corinthians starts off with comfort. And it talks a lot about giving care and it talks a lot about fear. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Same writer. First letter is mean, not mean, but strong and in your face and deal with this and a lot of strong stuff. 2 Corinthians is a broken writer. The difference is, Paul was stoned and left for dead between the two writings. And his, he's walking with a limp now. And he's been literally comforted back to life by the disciples and by the churches. So he's singing a bit of a different song now. And brokenness will do that for you. So he leads with... And think they're like, oh gosh, we have no letter from Paul here. This one sounds totally different, doesn't it? Because he's been on the receiving end of comfort. If you need to receive comfort and care today, please listen to my message last week on blessed are those who mourn. Really important that we all know how to, the significance of getting out here, what's in here. We'll put this in the screen for you. The thesis statement here is real simple. God comforts us and he expects us to comfort others. 
He expects us to be in the comfort-giving business, caregiving business. Now, if you're like me, that's terrifying. Because I'm not, I'm not the best caregiver. And um, it can be rough. It can be overwhelming to step into somebody's world that needs care and know what to do and what not to do and what to say and what not to say. I have a friend in ministry, great friend, who got the word malignant and benign mixed up in his brain in a hospital visit and they came, he came in the room and there were lots of long faces and they said, we got the news back that the tumor is malignant. And he went, praise the Lord. No, that would be benign, okay? Didn't know what the words meant. It can be awkward at the best, right? So what I wanna do is just, I wanna give you some do's and don'ts of good caregiving. And you might wanna take a picture of the screen, you might wanna write them down. Because um, I'm just gonna spend a few minutes with you being extremely practical, okay? Uh, because you're doing this right now. If you're not, you will be, okay? So here we go, first three don'ts. Um, don't correct someone's theology when they're hurting. When people are hurting, they say crazy things. And it's just, it just stuff comes out. It's one of the ways they grieve is they say stuff that they, they gotta have permission to not be okay. And sometimes when people are really hurting, they'll say stuff about God that you know you don't believe. And that is not the time to say, well, let's just reel that back in a little bit. Because that's really not, they're not going for theological accuracy at that moment. So you have to be secure enough in your skin and in your theology to let some stuff come out that, that doesn't look and sound right. Because that's not really the goal. You're not there to, to correct theology. You're there to give care. So I've heard some, and I have said some crazy things. <laughs> I've said some crazy things in the context of suffering. Um, watching my mom and dad both pass away, and some of the stuff that, as I was dealing with that, that comes out of your mouth, you're like, really? And, and when you're hurting, it's not the time to have to pass a theological exam, okay? So you've gotta be secure enough to let them say whatever they're gonna say and not have it derail you or have you be so threatened by what they say in their pain that you have to correct them? Okay, we, do your heads like this if you understand what I'm saying. You don't need to, good theology is not required to grieve well. They'll come around, okay? The second don't is, <laughs> whew, don't speculate about what God's up to. Because <laughs> uh, you're gonna wander off in some deep, weeds somewhere and you're going to say something that is not right and it's going to freak them out. Well, maybe, I'm not even going to finish the sentence. Well, maybe God just, ah, no. Well, you know, so you're not there to speculate because now you're giving bad theology. So you don't need to, you do not need to correct theirs. You don't need to speculate about yours and talk about maybe God needed this little angel in heaven. 
I've heard people say that to grieving parents who've lost a child. Well, maybe they need a little, God needed an angel in heaven. That's probably, that's probably not what's going on here. Or, you know, maybe, well, anyway, you, you guys got it? Okay. One more don't. This is for me. Don't preach. Okay? They don't need a sermon. And I tend to lead with the word, which sometimes can be really, really hard to hear. When, when you're just, when you're world shattering, sometimes a sermon is not what you need. I've, I've, I've told you all this so many times. In one of the moments where I actually got it right, it was right after Katrina hit and ACF and many other churches were right up their ears in evacuees from New Orleans and other places who'd come here and we're just trying to get them in apartments and we're just trying to get them in, in beds to sleep on and food. And it was just, you know, was, those, the weeks following Katrina were crazy and Austin got a bunch of people from it and several churches were involved in this. And the media got hold of, got wind of what we were doing. And so they came out and I was out here directing traffic as a caravan was going down to South Austin to get some people in an apartment complex. And a reporter walked up and stuck a mic in my face and said, what do you want to say to the people that are here from Katrina from New Orleans? And I just said, I said nothing. I don't want to say anything to them. I just want to, we just need to serve them. They're hungry. They don't, they don't know if their families are alive or dead back in New Orleans. And they really don't need a preacher preaching at them right now. Maybe, maybe in a month or two when the dust settles and we can talk about the why behind what we do, but this is not the time. And that was a really profound lesson for me to learn because sometimes it's not the time to preach. Okay, so that's the only, that's the only don'ts I'm gonna give you. And remember, if they have an IV, don't pat their hand. I've done that many times. Okay, that's don't. So good to see you. No, no. Don't, if, if, there's, if there are tubes connected, just don't touch them, okay? Because things can end badly. Here are the do's. This is the part I wanna focus on. Number one, check your motives. Make sure you're going for the right reasons. I have to do this a lot. Because I get invited into some pretty crazy stuff sometimes. And um, it can be a little heady to be in the middle of something that's really big. Um, and you have to check the it's all about me part of you at the door or you can't give good care. If you're caregiving and you keep turning the conversation back to you and your story, you're not doing a good job giving care. When we went on our first mission trip, um, after Katrina to the Gulf Coast, there was this um, almost like glamorous, ooh, we're going in for the first time since the, since the storm. And um, I really wanted to be that first pastor responder in some of those houses, like the guy coming to the rescue. And I got this team here from Austin. We're so glad to be here. And aren't we cool for coming? This is going on in my brain. And um, the Lord did not allow me to visit a single person that week in past Christian. I was put on garbage duty. 
Best thing ever happened to me. Because I learned about missions. In missions, you do what needs to be done, not what you want to do. And missions is not about, this is what I want to do. Missions is about what needs to be done. And what needed to be done was every garbage can needed to be emptied every day and taken to the dump because there were 60 kids staying in this little church producing a lot of waste and they needed somebody to serve those people by taking the trash out every day and I got the job. And our kids would go out every day and minister to the families and the homes and do construction, et cetera. I'd stay back and just empty garbage all day and, and really serve the little family that was running that church and had invited us in. It's one of the best weeks of my life to just check my motives a little bit that, you know, am I going because I want to be in the middle of this or am I going because I really want to give care? And so you've got, you've got to do a gut check when you're about to step in to love on somebody and help them. You've got to make sure you can check you at the door because they may never thank you. They may not remember that you came. When somebody's walking through a crisis and walking through grief, those first several days and weeks can be a blur and they may not even know that you brought them a meal or that you came by. And if you, if you, if you can't not get the accolades then you probably shouldn't go, okay? So check your motives. Then secondly, show up. Just show up. The, the power of you being visible in their world on a phone call, on a FaceTime, at their front door, at a visitation before service. Just, the, the, just be present with them. So you guys know the story of Job and how it's about the really bad, bad theology, bad speculation from Job's friends about why he'd suffered so much. Well, you must be a dud because God wouldn't do this to somebody who's cool. So clearly, Job, you have issues. Well, that's comforting. That's what you want to hear when everything's blown up. So, but the first seven days, his friends got it right. So look at, I'm gonna put this on the screen, Job 2. If you find your spoon in your Bible, there it is, Job chapter 2. Now, when Job's three friends heard about all this adversity that had come upon him, they came, each one from his own place, to him. When they looked from a distance and did not recognize him, because he would have been through, he had so much disease physically, they didn't recognize him, they raised their voices and wept. And each of them tore his robe. We talked last week about how grief is external in the Middle East and tearing a robe is a sign of grief and wailing is a sign of grief. And they put dust over their heads toward the sky, communicating to Job, we're so sorry and so sad about what you're going through. And they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights and no one speaking a word to him for they saw the great pain that he was in. That's a beautiful lesson in caregiving. They didn't say a word. Usually when I start talking is when I get in trouble. Well, you know, because you want to make it, you, you can't fix it. You, there's no way to pull them out of what they're in. My friend David Guyon, one of my closest friends in the world, says the way out is through. And you want to show up with, with your little platitudes, and I do too, my little Bible verses, and say, oh, it's, it's all going to be okay. Let's, let's go on. And you know, we're going to have to sit here for a while. This is, this is not going to be a quick fix. This is, gonna, this is a life changer kind of thing. So I love that Job's friends just showed up and just sat with him. And that's a great way to give care. Just be there. And again, you need to be okay with, they may never know you're there. 
You may, you, you, they may know, they may remember, but just you showing up, that, that it takes a village mindset can go so far in helping somebody find healing when things are hard. So just show up. I love this next one. Do treat it as holy ground. When you're getting to, to sit with someone, in the language of, of Matthew 27 in the, in the garden, or Matthew 26, the garden of pain, when you're, getting, when you're getting to sit with someone in their garden of pain, that's an honor. When someone invites you in to their crisis, that's um, Jesus picked three. And said, will you come with me into my garden of pain? And as hard as it is, it's a huge honor to be invited in. It means they trust you. And they think you, they think you can help them right now. Again, Susie mentioned last week, she'd been walking this thing out with a dear friend of hers since uh, about a month and a half, two months ago now. And it's, it's brutal what they're going through. And... Um, this sweet mama picked five friends to be on the text thread. And she said, you guys are my safe place. And Susie felt like honored to be included in that. Like she trusts me. And she thinks I have something to say. Friends, when you're, when you're in that tender spot with somebody and they're just, they're just venting their pain, that is holy ground. And you have to understand that. that the, because the Lord Jesus is there. Blessed are those who mourn, they get comforted. When they're mourning and you're included in that loop of mourning, that's, that is a tender, tender spot for them. And, and to be able to just sit there in that spot with them is unbelievably, an unbelievable honor to be part of that. It also may be the hardest thing you'll ever do. But it's why you don't lead with platitudes and it's why you don't lead with attaboy and gal, and that's why you don't lead with, well, you know, God wanted the little angel in heaven because you're, you're just walked into holy ground and sometimes the worst thing you can do on holy ground is say anything. Just acknowledge that it's holy. Um... I'm a big, big fan of, of touch and comfort when it's appropriate, and you have to be very careful along gender lines when you're giving care. Um, it, can, it can go across gender lines, but you've got to do it in, very carefully because it can be misunderstood. Um, but there's just something about being present, offering a hug, and acknowledging this is a, this is a real tender moment, and I'm not going to mess it up by saying something because I might. Some of my most profound ministry moments. Um, you know, I get to see people baptized and I get to see people come to Christ and I get to see marriages restored and captives set free and addicts set free and prodigals come home. Some of my more memorable moments have been in those, those 
you get the phone call at 2 a.m. kind of thing. And you walk into a setting and it's holy ground. God's been, Jesus is there. Something's going on. And you just have to know I'm an ambassador of the Lord Jesus right now in this setting. And I got to represent him really, really well. Okay? So you're being a priest. That's you being a priest. Don't run from it. There's, there's a great verse that says if you're, you know, if you're arrested for Christ and thrown in jail and, and you're going to get persecuted and they're going to ask you questions, don't even think about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you words at the time. Depend on that one. If you're in a situation you need to start talking, Holy Spirit, guard my tongue. Give me your words that I say what matters here and is helpful here. The Lord has given me some things to say that I've never even thought before in moments like that because I was desperate to say the right thing and not say the wrong thing. Okay? Next, this is a really easy one. Listen. It's, again, if you're not talking, you're listening. Um, <laughs> I heard a guy talk, a preacher telling, reminding people about when they took the promised land. You know, the 12 spies went in the first time and they came back and said, oh, there's giants in the land, we can't do this. And that cost them 40 years. And so the next time in, they're going to Jericho and Joshua says, I have one rule, nobody talks. Just don't say anything. Because last time we did, y'all started talking and I had to wander with you for 40 years in the wilderness. So just don't say anything. Uh, my daughter was on that Katrina trip into Gulf, Gulfport and past Christiana. She said we would go in the homes to work and the, and the residents just wanted to talk, tell us their stories. They just wanted to talk about it. And so we didn't do a lot of work that week. We listened a lot. People that are grieving need to talk it out. And it's, and it's, it's sometimes they don't want to burden you with what they're feeling because it's heavy. But if you're able, you need to say, look, I'm here. Let's go. What do you need to get off your chest? Susie talked two weeks ago beautifully about the power of asking questions to kind of cue people up to release what's inside. And so maybe you lead with some questions, but you're there to listen. Remember, you're not there to fix it. You're not there to fix it. You're there to listen and be a good listener. Pull, ask them questions. Um, acknowledge what they're saying. Okay? A couple more. Call out the gold in them. It's real important. Because people that are grieving, there's a lot of times there's guilt with it. There's self-esteem hits with it. There's, if I had done this, if I had just said this, I didn't get to say this. I wasn't there. I didn't get to say goodbye. Um, I said the wrong thing. And they're usually, I love to, I love to brag on people that are grieving. I love to, to tell them how strong they are. And how amazed I am at them. And how much I see Christ in them. Um, we have an ACFer who, um, this has been the hardest, this has been such a hard season. I've done more funerals in the last two years than I've done in the last 20. And it's not all because of COVID. It's just been a hard season. We have a, a sweet ACFer 
her husband was an elder here. He died traumatically in December, fell off a ladder and never woke up. And uh, we buried him and she's now got pancreatic cancer. And it's tough. And um, her faith is just killing me. I mean, she's bragging on Jesus the whole time. She's, she never, her faith never wavered when she was sitting by the hospital bed for the two weeks before he passed away. Her faith never wavered. And now she's, she, she had to sit down at the graveside and then she thought it was shingles from stress. Well, it turned out it was a, she has liver and pancreatic cancer. That's what it was. That's why she had to sit down. And she's texting me going, you know what? Um, he's the potter, I'm the clay. It, let it be to me as you have said, Lord, what Mary said, so be it. Whatever you want to do. I'm not, I'm, I will not curse the one who's been so good to me for however many years now because it's my turn. And I just, all I do is go, you amaze me. And then I walk out going, I'm such a loser Christian. Because I would not, I'd be whining, I'd be whining. God, I'd be whining. Somebody call the ambulance. that would be me, okay? And she's just like, you know, I'm the potter. He's the potter, I'm the clay. <laughs> like, your faith is stunning. So I just tell you, I'm so proud of you. Because when you're grieving, you don't often get a lot of like, you're, you're amazing. And I've gotten, to, I've gotten to speak into people in some of the worst situations of their lives and it's, their soul is soft. It's a great time to call gold out of them and speak stuff into them that they may never forget because of the time that it was spoken to them. You know, you're, um, you can do this. You can do this. Two more. Is this helpful? Okay. Because I want you all to begin with me after the service is over, Okay. Uh, pray with and for them. One of the greatest prayers I ever experienced was in the ICU room at Seton. The day my, my mama got sick on March 6th, Alamo Day, 97. She had septicemia and every major organ in her body shut down. Complete organ failure. And she should have died. And she lived another, hospice fired her twice. She had an I survived hospice t-shirt we gave her because she would go to hospice and not cooperate. So they kept kicking her out. 10 years, she survived. Pretty amazing. 102 pounds soaking wet, just tough as nails. My dad would say she's tough as a boot. So that first night in ICU, we're just, I mean, she's had a heart attack. She's had a stroke. Everything, kidneys are flatlining. It's just, everything's going south. And our pastor walked in. Pastor, I was under growing up. And he knew my parents forever. He said, let's pray. Now, this is the seat in the waiting room. We didn't go to the chapel. And there's about 20 of us. And, he, and there he goes with that pastoral voice. And he, low Lord, it was like, it was one of the great, I'm getting such goosebumps thinking about that prayer. Because he prayed comfort and he prayed hope and he prayed for the doctor's wisdom. And, but the point is he just prayed. Let's just, let's just invite God to the seat in ICU waiting room right here. Can we do that? Let's just get him here. I think he's here. Let's just, I know he's here, but let's, let's recognize he's here. And the whole tenor of the night changed. Just a prayer. 
So one of the best gifts you can give somebody who's grieving is prayer. Another one is scripture. I will send, I will send scripture texts to people that are hopeful and encouraging and about prayer and about Jesus and his comfort when it's appropriate. But when you're with them, just let, let me pray over you and invite the Holy Spirit to be the comforter. But then what you can really do is you need to bombard heaven when you're not around them. Like, Lord, oh God, move on them. They're so broken. They're so hurting. They're, this is so hard. Would you please do what you do? That's you being, that's you being a, this whole thing is about you being a priest again. Praying is a great way to minister to somebody. I don't have any words, but I can talk to him. I don't have any answers, but I can talk to him. And I have been. And I will look you in the eye and tell you, I will pray for you every day until we're through this together. And you all see my list is getting longer and longer and longer of people I'm making that commitment to right now. So pray with them and pray for them. Final one. It's gonna say, remember them. I'm gonna say it this way. Don't forget them. When somebody loses a loved one, when somebody goes through a tough time, there's a lot of um, initial triage that happens. And then the weeks come and go and things kind of settle down and, and you kind of move on. You know, we've had all kinds of natural disasters, we've had fires in Boulder, we've had tornadoes in Kentucky. And we haven't thought about those in a few weeks because now there's a war in Ukraine, there's other things going on, but those people are still going back to those homes that have been destroyed every day. And it was six months before the people in Chalmette, Louisiana, which got hit by a tornado this week. It was six months before the folks in Chalmette could even get back in their homes because an oil refinery had flooded and there was oil everywhere. They were out of their homes for six months. Well, we moved on two days after the storm was over. So caregiving it can be a haul. It can be a long-term process. If they've lost someone that first year, every day of the first year is weird. Because every day is an anniversary or every day is a birthday or every day is a Father's Day or a Mother's Day. Every day is a holiday when they used to be there. And so um, I keep a, I keep a heaven day journal and I'll write people on their loved ones heaven days my sister's husband died of um, Parkinson's or Alzheimer's excuse me and his heaven day was just a few weeks ago and so I released it and said heaven's a rich place today high, high water level in heaven today because that's the day Jeff went there and it's just remembering the day because she's waking up thinking about it um, it's remembering birthdays or anniversaries or it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or Mother's Day. And just a text, just a little note. You know, I've been thinking about you. I know this is getting around that time. I think about you every time this time of year. But friends, it, what I'm asking you to do is don't move on. They can't. They don't get to move on. So just kind of be that. Remember the paraclete, the one called alongside? That's what it means. The, the comfort, the word comfort is parakletos, the one called next to. That's what it means. And so you be that, you be that one called alongside and 
you know, don't overdo it. There's a proverb that says, blessing your neighbor too early in the morning might actually be interpreted as a curse, okay? If you do it too loud, too long, at 6 a.m., they may not think it's a blessing. So don't overstay your welcome, but come alongside and just be there with them and think about the coming months and weeks and years because it's something that's gonna be with them for the rest of their lives, okay? All right, so thus ends officially the series on caregiving. To, to conclude, I wanna pray over you. And I kinda wanna, I kinda wanna um, like ordain you. Like that, how I did that? My father can beat your father at dominoes. You ever heard that before? Isn't that terrible? Get it? Never mind. All right, so you guys at home, everybody, we all stand. I'm gonna pray over you. Because you're being commissioned today to be priests. You're being commissioned to check your motives and show up and Listen well. Step into stuff that's hard. And you need anointing to do that. It's not easy. You need grace to do it. So you guys at home, if you'll just either stand where you are or turn your hands over like this. You guys are in the room, turn your hands over if you want to. Or This is a receiving posture. I'm just gonna pray that you receive. So let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to just equip us to love really well. We have so much opportunity right now to, to be priests to people. And some of these people that are listening online or they're here in the room are, are thinking about, I may have to, I've not, I'm gonna have to do some things I haven't done before. I gotta learn how to pray with somebody. I gotta step into something that's really hard and I don't want to. Lord, also we know that sometimes it is in giving care that we get healed. It is sometimes in coming alongside that we actually get restored by you, by, many, by serving others. So I pray for these people that are standing and with their hands turned over and all the ones online that will love your word, that will love to pray, that will know your word, it'll be in us, that when we're walking into opportunities, we'll know it's holy ground and treat it as holy ground. And pray for your spirit to give us the right words or no words. And we just be there. Lord, our community, um, our city, our nation is just spinning in pain right now. And it's, it's always the church. It's always the church you send in. We can't, we, we're not gonna ask people that don't know you to try to do this, Lord, because they don't have the answers. We don't have the answers, God, but we have you. So I just wanna commission in Jesus' name these wonderful saints in this room and those online to, to be who you're asking us to be. And as 2 Corinthians says, to comfort others with the comfort that we have received. And to not run from opportunities to be priests of your name to people that need it. So I'm gonna give you just a minute. You talk to God any way you want to. 
What do you want to say to him? You're being, you're being sent. You're being sent. So, pray for courage, pray for words, pray for strength, pray for humility. Humility is a really big deal in caregiving. Lord, I'm looking at an army. I'm looking at an army of caregivers, Lord. There, I, I, see the, I see the yes that's here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Whew, amen. Okay. I haven't had you do this in a long time. Hug somebody and then sit down for a second, okay? If, if you, it's okay. Hug somebody and then sit down for a second, okay? All right, that's fine. Don't go, don't, don't get their no phone number, just... All right, prayer leaders, you want to come up? Okay, so I sense the Lord is here. You guys need prayer. We'll have our team up here at the front. You guys come on forward. And um, come on, Bev. Come all the way over. You're too cute to hide. Come on. Let's go. Keep going. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Amy. Don't miss a chance to be prayed for, okay? I'm really proud of you, church. I'm really proud of you. If you know somebody who needs this message, send it to them, okay? Next week, Jesus, the Jesus encounter, okay? I love you. See you soon. Thanks for being here.